Of pods in the key of Springfield. You wanted to switch things up a bit, did you? From the usual pods in the key of Springfield. Yeah, I, dynamic that we've developed. Yeah, I, I thought the other day, I was like, oh, I reckon we used to switch it up at the start and we haven't switched it up for ages. Yeah, you're worried about the podcast getting stale. Yeah, yeah. much like the carbs I load. Yeah, which the, might be in the sting. Stale carbs. That might be a callback to a thing that might be in the sting. I don't care where things are. <laughs> I'll still make references to them. Um, That's how you keep things fresh, baby. Yeah, exactly. And I fill it with yoga mats or whatever Subway allegedly had in their bread. Um, uh, today we're looking at Season 5, Episode 14, Lisa versus Malibu Stacy. And then we also have Season 5, I've written Episode 14 twice, Season 5, Episode 15, Deep Throat Homer. Deep Throat Homer? Is that the one where he uncovers the Nixon scandal? I believe so, yeah. Okay. Uh, no, wait, Deep Space Homer. Okay. So it's different where, from, what about Deep Dish Homer, the one where he makes all the pizza? Oh, like a, a like a Chicago pizza. Yeah. Oh, I'm making pizza over here. I have to say, I've never had Chicago Deep Dish, but every picture I see of it, I go, well, not, not for me, thanks. Wouldn't be your kind of thing, I think. I don't think it would meet your pizza standards. I don't think it would meet my pizza standards. I feel like you have specific things you want out of a pizza, and I don't think Chicago Deep Dish I agree. achieves them. I'd like to... Wait, uh, do you think you know what my specific things are? Or no, just I just know think that I you would specific... be specific about... Yeah, yeah okay. you would have rules. Yes, cool. Yeah. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to set that up as in, I'm going to criticise you if you get my yeah. rules wrong. I just wanted to know if you thought you knew them or if you just knew they existed. I mean, we had pizza, what, like an hour and a half ago? Yeah. And when the pizza arrived, you look at it and said very disdainfully, this looks like American pizza. <laughs> it does, because it looks like... I don't know, American pizza in TV shows has this weird, incredibly greasy look to it. it that does. I feel like Australian pizza doesn't pizza really on have. Pizza on American television always looks like cartoon pizza. Cartoon pizza, exactly. Yeah. It looks it's like... It's just like one big slice with like four pieces of pepperoni on it and it's meant yeah. to be a full meal. Yeah, I don't understand American I've pizza. I've never understood why Americans... This is based largely on like perception of watching television. It seems like whenever you're watching American TV, they eat huge meals, except if they eat pizza. Yeah. Where they don't eat enough of it. Yeah. Except- and I've had pizza I've had pizza in Los Angeles and it was basically the same as pizza here, but I yeah. I, I know that's not the universal pizza system. But see They don't have universal pizza over there like we do. But see, isn't the It's a strange one because I know it's a very American concept to get a slice, right? Yeah. A single slice. I've always assumed that was a snack thing, but I saw something on the internet a while ago where what they call a personal pizza yeah. is the size Your of... own personal pizza. Reach out and take a slice. <laughs> what they call a personal pizza, I believe, is the equivalent of our large. Yeah. And so I feel like if they sit down to what they call a personal pizza, I mean... Well, do they not have the small pizza? We have a lot of American listeners. If one of them could... Give us some pizza lesson. I mean, teach us how to pizza. Yeah. Teach us your pizza ways. Yeah. Our American listenership has dropped recently. Have we gone too hard? (laughs) It's It's probably fine. (laughs) 
So, Lisa versus Malibu Stacy. Yeah, sure. Was written by Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein. I wanted to look up the writers of this episode because I feel like this episode is very well written. Oh. So, I looked them up. And then I looked a bit more into Bill Oakley, who I see around on Twitter quite a bit. He does Inventor like, of the sunglasses. Exactly. He does um, like restaurant reviews on Instagram. He's a funny dude. And then... What are his thoughts on pizza? <laughs> Good question. Uh, Bill Oakley, if you'd like to come on and talk about pizza, we'd love to have you. But I saw a photo of him from 2008 on his Wikipedia. And I looked and I'm like, oh, he looks like a handsome version of me. What? He's like the alternate universe version of me that is like handsome and a writer on The Simpsons. Hang on, let me look this up. Let me look this okay, up. Okay, you're going to look Bill up. Oakley. Oh, shit. He, he's a handsome <laughs> version of you. Yeah. And to be clear, you're not a bad looking dude. <laughs> but Bill Oakley, right? 2008 era uh, Bill Oakley. Is is that, is that the one? Yeah. That saw? Yeah. Yeah, he does look like me, right? But Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm confused about both you and him now. Well, this is like... This is who I would want to play me in, like, the movie about my life. Sure. Which would mostly just be me at this point, just waking up late and <laughs> trying to apply for jobs. But, yes, Bill Oakley, uh, who I feel like is one of the... Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein are two of the writers who pop up a lot in conversations yeah. about the, the golden era. Bill Oakley pops up a lot. They eventually left to do Mission Hill, I think, and some other stuff. I didn't look into it too deeply, but they are... They're a couple of good boys, I think. I feel like if you look at older pictures of Bill Oakley, he appears to be older then than he is now. Yep. Like he's a, he was aging in reverse. Like is, is that him on the left? That that's an older picture, judging is by that the glasses. I don't know because the other one's got to be. That's a different person, though. <laughs> but it says Bill Oakley. Oh no, it says Sam Simon. <laughs> Get out of my office! <laughs> All right, never mind. Never mind, I didn't read the caption properly. So this episode, Lisa versus Malibu, Stacy. Yeah. Is it just me or is this a really fucking good episode? It is. Yes. Which is interesting because I don't like Malibu, the coconut infused <laughs> rum. And so I decided on that basis that this episode would not be that so good. So while you're sitting there with your arms crossed, huffing the entire time? Yeah. Harumph, harumph. You know the really frustrating part? I have half a bottle of Malibu in my fucking... Uh, spirits cupboard That doesn't surprise me yeah. um, Because someone Brought it around here And left it And then As they left I was like Ugh. Is that the one That you've been infusing With pineapple No that's just Straight rum Okay But I've got Malibu Which is the coconut rum But I mean it's awful Yeah It's do not you, great Do you want me to mix you With Malibu <laughs> I'm trying to get rid of it Maybe later Alright Malibu is like a starter rum I think A starter rum It's the rum you have At the start of your rum journey Where you're like Oh yeah I could see I can see myself enjoying rum on a conceptual level, and then you have good rum, and you're like, oh, well, rum is great. I love rum, by the way. I don't think Malibu's a starter rum. I think it's a second tier. Because I think the first the first rum that everyone has is, in Australia anyway, is Bundaberg. I feel like when I was coming of age, Malibu was like the thing that people would drink. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. It had that, I think it was largely a marketing thing. They marketed quite well to... Well, especially like 18, 19, 20-year-old girls, I think they mm. marketed too very well. Yeah. I so that we'd right. just like be at the party. Yeah, it was it was an at-the-party drink. And no, yeah. one, no one ever claimed that they brought it. It was always just there somehow. Yeah. It materializes at parties. It was always like your friend Sarah had you brought can... Malibu. <laughs> yeah, very much our friend Sarah <laughs> yeah. had brought Malibu. Um, you can always find it materializing in the kitchen at parties. Mm. If you're between the ages of 17 and 21. Sure. Yeah. I haven't seen a bottle of Malibu at a party in a very, very long time at this point. Mm. Everyone's bringing, you know, sherry now. 
Not to mention Terry. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, Sorry. she's got kids. She has to stay at home. Oh, yeah. Oh. So this episode opens with the old folks meeting Matlock. Yes. Now, uh, I feel like there was a point as a kid where I thought Matlock was just a real person. I did too. Yeah. Yep. And I guess the tricky part is... They refer to MacGyver a lot. Now, MacGyver is a real TV show, right? Yes. Yeah. But I don't think Matlock is. No. And I find it very strange that the only two TV shows to which they consistently refer, one of them's fake, one of them's real, and there's no reason for the distinction. Just realised that I should do the most cursory of Googles to make sure that this is all true. Are you Googling for curses? Uh, Matlock is an American televised legal drama starring Andy Griffith in the title role of criminal defence attorney Ben Matlock. So it's fake? No, it's real. It's real. Yeah. It's a real show. <laughs> what we meant though, what we meant though, James, I'm going I'm yep. to save us here. It's cool. fine. What we meant though is that it's fictional. Uh, yeah, sure. That's what we meant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's not like MacGyver, which is a documentary. Yeah. Where events occur in real time. Matlock is indeed fictional. What's another way of saying fictional? You could say fake. You could say not real. Yeah. Not yeah. real. Okay. So. It we- says Andy Griffith. So we were correct all along. Uh, yeah. As we are with all things. Yeah. And nobody ever has any reason to tell us we're wrong about yeah. anything. And frankly, if they did, I wouldn't listen. So I guess that was Andy Griffith walking up on the stage that they storm and who's Andy, defeat. Who's Andy Griffith? Is, Is that Merv Griffin? <laughs> no, he's like an old guy. Oh. He was, uh, I don't know, he was on something else. Maybe he wasn't. He Does he pop up in Arrested Development or they just joke about him? You know what? Doesn't matter. <clears throat> Excellent question. Thank you. Thank you, PlayStation. Thank you, PlayStation. <laughs> Something that I was thinking about a lot during this episode, after the whole Matlock scene, uh, by the way, I really like how coordinated all the old people are mm. with that, we love you, Matlock. Oh, yes, we do. Yes. I like that. It's good. It's fun. I've been thinking about Dan Castellaneta's performance as Grandpa while watching this episode. Yes, all right. Really good voice. Yeah. Great work on Grandpa. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You have a hard time when I just praise the show. I do. It's I, fun. Don't, I enjoy it. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do other than go, yeah, it's a fine voice. Cool. <laughs> Weirdly, I think Grandpa's voice is one of the few things in the universe that I don't have an anecdote to spin into immediately. <laughs> oh, that's ironic because he's all about spinning anecdotes. Son. That's a very good point. Ah. You could almost call him Jenny with the amount of yarn that he spins. Because he's from the block? No, the device for spinning yarn is called a spinning Jenny. Oh, okay. <laughs> Are you sure? Because <laughs> that seems like a thing you made up. <laughs> but I'm sure you're telling the truth. You don't need to look it up. Uh, so, Grandpapa realises he's an old man, decides to give the family a bunch of money. They go to buy some toys. Interesting little note. On uh, what happens, you're showing me a picture of the spinning jenny. I get it, I understand. It's a multi spindle winder, James. <laughs> multi spindle winder. <laughs> uh, okay. Isn't that the guy that plays Sherlock? <laughs> multi spindle winder. I was trying to do a Benedict ben- Cumberbatch joke. Yeah. Meanwhile, for some reason, I'm singing uh, Money, Money, Money in my head, but with multi spindle winder. It doesn't work. <laughs> Not a joke. <laughs> multi spindle winder. Couldn't find a resolution here. Oh. <laughs> Weirdly enough, that worked. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> kind of. So, they're running around the toy shop, and Grandpa... Oh, wait, before some... we get to the toy shop. Yes. <clears throat> after the Matlock thing, they uh, Jasper says that Grandpa has swiped Matlock's pills. 
I really enjoy that when the ambulance drives past to show Matlock in cardiac arrest, the ambulance has a very, very, very big window on the side so we can see everything <laughs> that's going on inside the ambulance. Yeah, it's one of those viewing ambulances. Yeah, I enjoy the learning ambulance that drove past. <laughs> yeah, that just goes from city to city. It's like the life education van we had as youngins. Oh, with Harold? Yeah. Yeah, right. That used to be, that's a thing in Australian schools. They cram you in a van Are and a giraffe teaches you how to not get, how to like have safe sex, I think. Are we going to, more than that? It was also like, you know... How to turn down cigarettes when they got offered to you? Yeah, like role-playing about like, oh, no thanks, I don't want any drugs. <laughs> yeah, and you know, he didn't rap, but he could have. And then at It the, was always on the verge of him breaking into a rap. At the end of the session within the life education van, they open up the door to back to the outside world, the sunlight floods in, and you go, oh, fuck, oh, it's so bright. And then just as you're about to disembark this bus... They open a crate that the fucking host has been sitting on, and it's full of oranges, and you grab yourself an orange. Yeah. Oranges, the messiest fruit imaginable. Yeah. Who gives primary school children oranges? Give them apples. Give them a banana. Yeah. Not an orange. You're going to have fucking pulp everywhere. Yeah, there'll, there will be so many pith incidents on the day of the oranges. <laughs> ah, what a pithy anecdote. Yes. Yes. So Grandpapa, they're in the toy shop. Full of pith and vinegar. Yes. He starts He starts breaking stuff. He throws down a bunch of toy soldiers and starts stepping on them. Now this is interesting because the, as of recording, the latest episode of The Simpsons to release in the US, episode 650 yeah. of The Simpsons, which is just released, so far away. Uh, reveals, I believe, my understanding, haven't seen it, but my understanding is that it reveals that Grandpa Simpson was the model they used... For all the green toy soldiers. They're all based on Grandpa Simpson in the universe of The Simpsons. Stepping on tiny plastic iterations of himself. Yeah, but we don't find this out for another, uh, like, 570-odd episodes. But on the basis that, according to my theory, all the timelines are happening at once. Of course. These are not chronological events. They all happen simultaneously. Um, or not they all happen simultaneously, but it's just a smattering of events that don't happen chronologically. Mm. Uh, that means Grandpa would know that they're based on him. The audience doesn't know yet. But, but Grandpa, Grandpa's but well Grandpa, aware. Grandpa does. And yet he chooses to step on. And actually, you know what? This is an episode in which Grandpa realises that... His it, own mortality. His yeah. own mortality. Yeah. Therein lies a metaphor in which he is crushing his own bodily representation saying you are worthless to me you mean nothing to me any further be gone immortal body upon you i stamp my beslippered foot this is potent stuff this is of course a metaphor baked into are this season talking, five episode are you talking about the malibu that i mixed for you a real malibu yes yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's an odd little thing. Uh, the episode sounded okay, actually, the Mon one. I guess we'll get to it eventually. Um, just going back a moment to before the toy shop. So Grandpa decides that because he's on the verge of death, he's going to start giving out it, giving people their inheritances now so that he can see them. Yep. He gives to Lisa um, all his correspondence and cards. My question, didn't they burn down in the cavern in the Hamptons? 
We Ooh. we covered that in episode forty two. Remember when we yeah, covered the Chiva can, letters? Yeah, they burnt the Chiva letters, but I guess the Karloff letters survived because he has the letters from Boris Karloff. I guess so. And actually, I did just talk about how, in my theory, these aren't necessarily chronological; they're all happening at the same time. So, I mean, it could it could be the different thing. Maybe those are the letters that burned. Uh, who knows? Maybe he kept the Chiva letter separate from the Karloff letters. Maybe there's a second cabin on the grassy knoll. Well, you got the White Lodge, you got the Black Lodge, you got the Pocket Universe. Uh, Snakey Pigs. We are like the dreamer who dreams and then lives inside the dream. Snakey Pigs. On piano floor, is that a real thing? Because I feel like this is referenced in so many discrete pieces of pop it's culture. It's from the movie Big, starring Tom Hanks as Big. Yeah, but is it a real thing? Like, do, 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 it, yeah, it's in one specific toy store. They have the big piano, right? And it's in the movie Big, a movie I haven't seen, but there's like a what's that really big toy store in like New York? I think it's in there. I don't. The think... one that's also in Home Alone too. I don't think it's there, because it must be in Springfield, because the Simpsons live in Springfield, not in New York. Huh, interesting. So you're saying it must be in Texas, so this must be a different... I'm saying that Big and Home Alone are both set in southern Texas. Okay, okay. Home Alone 2, uh, was it Lost well, in New York, I think, is the well, subtitle of that movie. Well, of course, he, of course he's lost in New York, because he doesn't fucking live there. He lives in southern Texas. <laughs> yeah, okay, so he's lost in New York... And if you look at the keychain, it says Moon Room. Fake the moon landing. This has been... Uh, no, we don't have a sub-podcast about Kubrick faking the moon landing yet, do we? <laughs> I was about to say, I was like, this doesn't sound like a sneaky peek. No, it's a Kubrick fake the moon landing. We'll come back to that later, though. This is. Um... Have I talked about the documentary Room 237 on this podcast? Or was that all a bunch of nonsense for the listener? No, we talked about it in the... The Shining episode, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. Of course we did, yeah. Yeah. Uh, listen to that episode and watch the documentary Room 237, which is very funny. Sure. Yeah. Uh, did you have any favourite toys as a kid? This episode, bunch of toys. Did you play with... I don't imagine you playing with toys. Did I... <laughs> Nick, I can't imagine you having fun. <laughs> um, did I have a favourite toy? Like, you have, like, tchotchkes around the place, but they seem like... Amusing things for you to point at more than anything you would play with. Ah, <laughs> uh, you are very correct that I enjoy. <laughs> I enjoy collecting things so that I can point at it and, and produce an anecdote. Like somewhere in a box downstairs. Fuck, I don't think I've told this on the podcast yet. And this is a, such such a demeaning insight into what a fucking tedious person I am. So. I was once in a toy aisle near a, the, the big rack of all the display of Hot Wheels cars. And you know the little, like, they, they hang on a cardboard tab and the car yeah, sits at the bottom. Yeah. And it was one of those things, you know how sometimes you just, your eye picks out a detail that it shouldn't be able to. Like, I don't know, if you imagine opening a double page newspaper spread and you find the one typo on the page yep, instantly. Sure, yep, like yep, that yep. kind of like laser sight focus in. I noticed the box said um, Chevrolet Corvette, but the car inside it was a Dodge Viper. (laughs) And it was the first car I noticed in a wall of cars. And I went, I'm buying that. And I walked over, bought it, and I kept it somewhere. It's downstairs in a box. And I used to have it on display so I could point at it and be like, oh, you know, this, it's not the car that the box says it is. 
I love that this even counts as an anecdote. <laughs> I'm not so sure anymore. Mispackaged toy. Are you sure somebody didn't just like change the packaging around? On this? I didn't change the packaging. I'm not saying you did. Maybe something in the store did. Some miscreant. I wouldn't have thought so because like there's there's a hot like Wheels... maybe the other one scanned cheaper. There's a Hot Wheels Beetles uh, Yellow yep. Submarine there. Yeah. The way that Hot Wheels packaging works is it's it's non-reversible. Oh, yeah, yeah, It's sure. non-reversible. Yeah, okay, yeah, I get yeah. you. Once you undo it, you're not faking it back up again. You know what would be fantastic, though, is if you look at that toy and realise, no, that is the right car. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> I've been not. wrong the whole time. Definitely not. But I'm planting the seed. <laughs> oh, so it's going to be a Berenstain Bears-type moment for me. It's going to sure. be the, It's going to be the Nelson Mandela <laughs> effect, but on my fucking Dodge Viper. <laughs> the Nelson Mandela effect? The Mandela effect. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's named after the, the Nelson Mandela. So. <laughs> the um, Invictus effect, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the I Am Robot effect. Um, wait, no, the, the Shazam effect. Um, uh, favorite toy. I remember a green remote control car. Sure. Which was... Like the one from Toy Story? No, it was like a... It, it actually looked like a, a Rocket League type car. Like or the like, one from Toy Story. Or like a supersonic acrobatic rocket power battle cars type car. But um, that was fun in extremely short bursts. Because it was one of those things where rechargeable battery technology wasn't very good in the early sure. 90s. So you'd recharge it for nine hours and get maybe ten minutes of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I also remember having a Scalextric, I believe is the correct pronunciation, Scalextric oh, yes. track, which was the Mount Panorama slash Bathurst track, and it came with little things, little um, kind of H-frame stands that you could that you put them in certain parts on the track, so you could actually get the track to go up and down in the way that the actual Mount Panorama track that. does. Yeah, yeah, that was... I didn't have that, but at least one of my cousins had it. Yeah. Possibly two of them. Mm. Also, to any international listeners who don't know what Mount Panorama is, have a look for on YouTube for V8 Supercars Bathurst, because it's a little bit like NASCAR, except instead of spending the whole time kind of turning left, they race up and down a mountain, and, and it's if, very impressive. If you just go to Google and type in Mount Panorama, you'll just get a panorama of a mountain. That's true. Yeah. Uh, what toys did I? I did, had a. Did you have a favorite toy, co-host James? I had a Power Rangers sword that I was very attached to. Oh, go go Power Rangers! Yeah, and uh, my I think my <laughs> favorite. <laughs> go go Power Ranger! Was... <laughs> what what color Power Ranger were you when you when you cosplayed with the sword? <laughs> I think it was the the White Ranger. The other one, Power Rangers was a dumb show, but they'd always be like. At any point of the plot, they'd be like the one Power Ranger who was like the mysterious one who would only pop up when they really needed him, and he'd have like some sort of mystical item, be it a sword or a flute. I can very much... Who's winning battles with a flute? (laughs) I can very much see the appeal in you being the White Ranger in in that little... um... Uh, What's that word I want? I guess when you say White Ranger, you don't want to call him the White Power Ranger. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. Oh my god. No, yeah. you do not want to... No. no. No one wants to be Blair Cottrell. <laughs> no. Fuck you, Blair Cottrell, you fuck. You fucking grease fucking piece of shit. Anyway. Jesus. If you don't know who Blair Cottrell is, he's a, a, an Australian stain <laughs> that we are hoping to clean out of our national garment. Um, speaking of um, 
interesting people in the public eye. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is jumping too far ahead, but there was a line that Lisa says to the talking Malibu Stacey. Because, of course, one of the central tenets of this uh, episode, one of the central pillars around which the story is built, is that Malibu Stacey finally talks, but she spouts things that Lisa deems to be rubbish. Yeah. And Lisa says, I've waited my whole life to hear you speak. Don't you have anything relevant to say? Never have I felt my experience of joining Twitter so relevantly summed up. Oh my because, god, I've got a, I've got a note on that as well in this episode. Because in my first month of joining Twitter, I was like, I'm going to follow all those famous musicians that I like. Their lives are exciting and fun, and then I've been disappointed by all of them. So many I don't follow a lot of famous people on Twitter because I found the ones that I did follow would spend most of their tweets just trying to show off how many famous friends they had. Interesting. Because they're always like, you know, famous but not super famous. So they'd always just be like, you know, tagging the other famos who loved them in their tweets. Mm. Like, oh, thanks, uh, Chris Tucker. Can't wait to see you soon, friend. And yeah, it'd be like that. Sure. Yeah. Who's Chris Tucker? He was a uh, rush hour. Oh, Okay. He was the guy in Rush Hour. Sure, sure, sure. He was, sure, you know, sure. Russian. He, he made a lot of money off those Rush Hour movies. The non... Was that a Jackie Chan, the other co, yeah. co-lead? Yeah, Jackie right. Chan. So you were following Jackie Chan and he was saying, hey, Chris Tucker, <laughs> look forward to the next Rush Hour. Here's the thing. I was actually going to follow up by, like, saying, yeah, I was following Jackie Chan. I thought, I love Jackie Chan too much to make that joke. Oh, so you're not prepared to throw Jackie Chan <laughs> under the bus? Jackie Chan would fucking annihilate me if I threw him under a bus. You know, he would just, like, go flat. The bus would drive over. He would leap up, grab onto the back of the bus. And then as the bus went past me, he would leap off it and kick me in the face. Is this a Kickstarter? Because I'll donate to it. <laughs> I mean, I don't actually want to see you get kicked in the face. We, 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 we use a stunt, James. Have you ever we seen use, Police Story? We, we use Bill Oakley. He can be your stunt <laughs> double for getting kicked in the face. Just make him more handsome somehow. <laughs> <sighs> Then Have you seen Police Story, though? I wish you watched Police Story. Police Story? Police Story. Um, no. Was that a song that some cops commissioned Taylor Swift to do as a cover of Love Story? <laughs> no. No. All right. It's just, a Jackie just, Chan movie. Just checking. Oh, no, it's a movie. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to do That's that That's why as, I said it's seen. We're not going to do that as 22 Flims. No, it's not really relevant. Well, I'm not watching a movie outside 22 <laughs> Flims. I have been thinking... For 22 Flims, at some point I'm just going to have to start tricking you into thinking movies are relevant. I was actually thinking that at the end of season 5, I've got a movie that we should do for 22 Flims. Oh, do films, you? And I'm not going to tell you what it is. So if you're willing it's to... It's not just Muppets Christmas Carol, is it? It might be. If you're... <laughs> if you're willing to entrust me with the keys to 22 Flims... I've got a, a nice one up my sleeve that I think we might... Uh, okay, you just looked up at your shelf while saying that, but there's no DVDs there. I didn't look up at my shelf. Look, I just see a copy of the Simpsons movie. I didn't look up at my shelf. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Now you're looking down. <laughs> that copy of Love the Beast. <laughs> just right here. <laughs> I forgot that was there. Oh, man, that was closer than I thought. Uh, we're actually just going to watch The Dream with Roy and HG. The Sydney 2000 the Olympic Olympics. Games commentary special. <laughs> yeah, the, the satirical nightly comedy show filmed during the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games. Sure, why not? I've been missing your strawberry kisses. Okay, so at one point in this episode, Grandpapa Simpson realises he wants to, you know, he wants to be a bit more energetic. He wants to get out there a bit more. And he sees an ad on TV for Buzz Cola. Yes. 
and gets excited. He drinks it. The bubbles burn his tongue. This got me thinking. We've got Duff in The Simpsons. Yep. Duff is like the established beer brand. It's a big brand of the show. We've yep. got the Squishy. That's the frozen drink. Everyone drinks it. Everyone has a good time. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Squishy. That's the frozen drink. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I just enjoyed it as a slogan. <laughs> yeah, so we've got Duff. We've got the Squishy. It's so thick. <laughs> it's so thick. Thick. <laughs> and then we got Buzz Cola. But I feel like Buzz Cola really falls down as the third pillar in like the drink pyramid of The Simpsons. I feel like they don't <laughs> go back to Buzz Cola very often. No, they don't. It plays the less, uh, it plays the smallest part in the triptych of beverages, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think that's strange because it's not following the rule of threes. You got to have three things. Well, they have three things. They just don't pivot on Buzz as often. Yeah, one of them's letting the side down. Hmm. You know, it doesn't really feel like a triptych. That's interesting. They don't really drink Buzz Cola, do they? No. No. Sorry, I'm just going. I'm just scanning my internal Frinkiac, which is very poxy. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> looking for any <laughs> any references to to Buzz. There's oh, there's is, is is it a Buzz ad or is it a Duff ad where there's a bunch of um, feminists protesting? That's Duff. That's, that's Duff. That was back last season. Oh yeah! Wow, yeah. Buzz really gets um, Buzz. Your circulation, woof. <laughs> Should we get our own Talking Dolls commissioned? James and Nick, posting the kids Springfield official merchandise. Jesus. Don't um, ask me. I'm just a podcaster. <laughs> that's good. Um, what would I say? Um, fuck. <laughs> yeah, that would be one of your lines. <laughs> yep. Let's put some reverb on that. Oh, oh, no way. I've actually got one that my dog could do. Pa. D. Whistle wuzzle. Uh, insert line from show. Big shoes to fill. <laughs> <laughs> and the great part about that is that... <laughs> That's your pronunciation, not the show's as well. That's yeah, the, yeah, but I also enjoy the idea that we could maybe do some... I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what talking doll technology is like. Look, I realise it's my fault that I haven't kept up with the market. <laughs> but anyway, be that as it may. I'm not sure what talking doll technology is like, but it'd be good if there was some kind of Wi-Fi bridge connectivity situation so that if you had the James and the Nick dolls near each other and one of them said big shoes to fill the other one without requiring activation says big shoes to fill well the great thing is if you get both of them they can actually record their own podcasts oh that's a really good point and then you and I are made entirely redundant which yeah. let's be honest we're not far off it anyway <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean on some ways one of us hasn't been able to make it and we've just used a soundboard of the other one to <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to list this, I've noticed. I, I did listen back to an episode recently where you said hot dog what a lot of wieners more often than I thought. <laughs> hot dog what a lot of wieners. Yeah, I fucked the quote. <laughs> hot dog what a lot of wieners. <laughs> what would that be in reference to? Oh, that's like, wait, no, were you there that day? Uh, no, there was a day at the, the cricket... Where they were selling, one of the food trucks was selling a two foot long hot dog. I doubt I was there. I've been to the cricket with you maybe once. I know. Maybe twice. So there's a foot long hot dog. Yeah. That's served in about a nine inch bun. Yeah. So you've got a solid, what, inch and a half hanging out on either side of the bun. 
It's a bit weird. Actually, it might be a six inch bun. It might be three inches of it. Anyway, whatever. Everything's fine. But then there was a place selling a two foot long hot dog. They literally sold so few of them that on the third or fourth day, they had a very scantily dressed model walking around with carrying a two foot long hot dog saying, you know, you can buy this from just over there. It's like, no one wants that. <laughs> What a strange anecdote to have segued into fairly, fairly easily on this podcast. I need to refill again. Yep. Sorry. We can. You can keep talking. I might also refill. Yeah. Do you want to bring your? Oh, you bring the bottle to you. Yeah. You want to get that uh, that fizz? That sweet sweet fizz. All right. Well, this is all staying in, I think. Yep. People like to hear the behind the scenes. Uh, Best. I'm surprised by how well people, people can hear how much I fucking drag my feet when I walk. Um, Alright, here we go, listeners. Some more of me refilling my glass of sparkling mineral water. I'm going to check my text messages. Oh, yeah. I had two text messages. I'll reply to them in good time. I couldn't... Um, Pour on a vicious enough angle to get that of the bottle. Well, you got to drink it and make that noise now. Don't do it. You'll you'll make yourself sick. I'm already sick. I'm sick in the head, man. Uh, so Yardley Smith really slays in this one. Yardley's really fucking good in this episode of The Simpsons. Is she Lisa? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Yardley Smith is Lisa Simpson, and she is excellent. She does a great job. And we love her, and we want her on the podcast. Yeah. I actually have genuinely seriously thought about reaching out to Yardley before, because she has her own podcast, and she's an adept at podcasting, and she's been on other Simpsons podcasts, and maybe I'll try to make that happen in uh, 2019, that being the current year. I read her book, My Life as an Eight-Year-Old Girl. Did you? <laughs> it's a joke about Nancy Cartwright with her book, My Life as a Ten-Year-Old Boy. Oh, is that a, oh, that's a real book. Yeah, it's a real book. Okay. From about 20 years ago. Did you read it? Should we do an episode where we read that book? Almost definitely, we should. Yeah, okay. I bought that other book that we're meant to do an G- episode. Guide to Life. Yeah. Maybe we should do, we need a spin-off for our books. What's that going to be called? Pages in the Key of Springfield. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. We'll keep working on it. Hmm. We can do that off air. That's yeah. not interesting. No, well, it's right. very interesting because we're interesting people. But, uh, okay, the line, Lisa, usually I tell you to stand up for what you believe in, but you've been doing that an awful lot lately is so good. Doesn't that feel like what the Louis C.K.'s are saying to the millennials? Yes. Yeah. Fuck yes. It just, uh, God, the whole, like, you know, okay, you've done enough now. You can calm down a bit, like, yeah, when yeah, people yeah. are, like, actually on something. Uh, you know, mm. working towards something good. Yeah, that line resonates. It's mm. hard. Mm, resonates. Mm. So Lisa, Lisa having a... I don't think we even mentioned that, you know, the, the doll is sexist. So yes. she goes to the plant where they are made. And we see on the assembly line, doppelgangers of Barney and Moe working at the plant. Yeah. Doppelganger. Are these refugees of an egg flip universe? Sorry, I'm just going to take a moment to focus on that phrase that I really like. Refugees of an egg flip universe. Yeah, that's the name of the prog rock album I've been working on. Fuck yeah, it is. Yeah, I'll put in a pre-order on Bandcamp. What was the question? (laughs) Uh, Well, are they? 
I suppose so. I didn't see them or clock them as as um, doppelgangers, but what we've learned from our experience in in the Simpsons universe so far is that there's almost certainly some dodginess going on with timelines being crossed. So yes, I support your theory. Yes, I'll subscribe to your newsletter. Please do. Redirect it to the junk folder, but I'll subscribe. Yeah, well, that's fair. Still but a number. I have a full page of notes left on this episode, so I guess I should try to run through some of these quicker. Some of them are big notes as well, big important notes that will change the future of this podcast. Right, okay. The line, I'm a white male, age 18 to 49, everyone li- everyone listens to, etc, etc. I didn't write it all down because everyone knows this line. Yep. The, uh, the Homer line. Yep. Nuts and gum together at last. Yep. Is that... Is this one of is this one of the most quoted lines in the show? Is this like right up there? Do you think is like one of those things that influenced actual society in that it's a great sort of a description of what life is actually like? Just boiled down. I feel like it is a line which very simply highlighted a problem, which is taking a long time to fix, but is slowly getting better. Very slowly. Very slowly. Or it's, I don't know if it's even getting fixed as much as acknowledged more openly as a problem. Yeah, sure. Because even here, like, it is still a joke. Homer's like, yes. even though I'm a stupid white man, people will listen to whatever I say. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's right. Yeah. 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 I suppose, I mean, getting fixed in terms of it, uh, very early stages of realizing that it's a thing that needs to be fixed. Yeah. 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 But yeah, it's one of those interesting lines, especially like, this episode seems to have a few lines which really encapsulate surprisingly modern issues. Yes, they do. <laughs> yes. This episode feels very modern, except for the fact that Modern Simpsons is not very good. I mean, it feels like Are you going to use the P word? The P word. Prescient? Prescient. Yeah, I'd would use you say the word prescient. Yeah, would you say this episode feels prescient? I would say that it's prescient. Yeah, right. Prescient in all my buttons. If only we'd uh, watched this episode in December, because then you could have had a Christmas prescient. I, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> or a, earlier in December, a birthday prescient. Well, as you know, we celebrate our holidays in January. You know, that's part of this podcast tradition and always has been. Oh, yes. And, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've never done a Christmas episode before Christmas. No. Uh, so Grandpa decides to go and get a job. And he gets one very fast and easily for somebody living in an assisted living facility. And for someone... But he not only does he get it quickly and easily, he gets a job at what, we, what I assume is Krusty Burger. Yep. Um, uh, but appears to have not been given a single moment of training. Yeah. Because he doesn't know <laughs> that there are French fries. No, and he wraps his uh, his dentures into a burger, and they bite someone, and yeah. it's great. I I like all the scenes of Grandpa working at Krusty Burger, even though it is part of one of my least favorite tropes, where somebody is able to just immediately like get a job, yeah. But like having that job is portrayed as like this sort of lowly thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know; it doesn't do it so hard in this one. It's just kind of like fun with Grandpa at the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good point. So uh, Lisa's trying to track down Stacy Lavelle, the real Malibu Stacy. So she goes to visit Smithers. Yes. And Smithers is going to print an article with some details about her last known address. And we get the Mr. Burns screensaver saying, Hello, Smithers. You are quite good at turning me on. I'm Mr. Burns. Yes. Uh, why does is that happen? A, is that a screensaver? Because... 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm confused by it in I've general. I've got a note here saying, did that happen when Smithers hit print? Because he hits a single key on the keyboard. Mm. We hear the computer beep. Keyboard uh, Computers of that era typically were not turned on with a button on the keyboard. Like, I know now you can wake computers from sleep if you haven't turned them on, like, yeah. all that kind of stuff. But computers of that era, the ones that I will use, they all had, like, a big physical button. Or even some yeah. of them had a switch. Like, a proper, you had to flick a big yeah, power you had switch. Yeah, spin the crank. Yeah. Oh, it takes me, takes me right back to the... The, that, that was, was it shut again again. That was such a good example of a late 90s modem sound. Um, it wasn't. Everything's <laughs> fine. Uh, so I don't quite know what that is. If it's a startup message, mm. I don't know. I just find it weird. Cause, well, he just says, oh, I'll print you off a copy. He presses what I assume is meant to be the print button. Yeah. And it plays this little message. And I like, I don't know, I don't mind the little message thing. I think that's fun, but it doesn't make any sense, son. Doesn't make any sense as far as IT logistics go, son. So Smithers, if you'd like to get in touch with us and let us know what was going on. And then, then Nick, we get to the most important part of this episode and maybe the most important part of the series so far. Sure. With Stacey, Stacey Lavelle. Oh, here we go. Lists her ex-husbands. Yes. And who is the fourth ex-husband? The fourth is Dr. Colossus. Dr. Colossus. Dr. Colossus. Could you put some reverb on me saying, Dr. Colossus? <laughs> is that you asked me to put on reverb or is that you are doing an impression of your action figure? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, it was me asking a genuine edit request there. Okay, okay. So we get we meet. It would be very funny if you tagged in now with like, oh, it's editing Bay James here. Fuck off, Nick. <laughs> editing Bay James here. It's fine. I did it. Good suggestion. Ah, uh, so look, look. Doctor Colossus has finally revealed the Grandmaster. That's been working behind the scenes this whole time. We get our first glimpse such of Doctor Colossus. Such a throwaway glimpse, too. Yeah. It's subtle. And you know what is is very interesting? What we've learned is that Colossus is the one pulling all the strings behind the universe that is mm. The Simpsons. Yes. Uh, or the universe in which The Simpsons exists. Indisputably. He's gone to great lengths to cover his identity and to keep himself secret. He mm. doesn't want us on his trail. Mm. And... I think to that end, it fits in that the only so the, the the first reference we get to Doctor Colossus is through a chance encounter with a spurned ex-wife. Yes, through Lisa, the little eight-year-old protagonist, mm. charging her way through on this mission. This was all just crazy happenstance. We weren't supposed to have heard of Doctor Colossus at this point. It's only with the benefit of hindsight because you and I have seen other. Adventures upon which the Simpsons have gone through the veil. Yes, through the veil. Yes, yeah. we've pierced the veil. Yes, uh, the own. Um, uh, it was through mere coincidence and happenstance that we were able to stumble across the visage of Doctor Colossus and get some insight into his hideous, see, treacherous ways. Yeah, see upon his hideous visage, which we briefly glimpse as she uh, pans across the photo montage of yes. husbands yeah exactly and the thing is it's moments later that we get more evidence of the grim work colossus 
has been performing upon this city. Sure. Because um, moments later we meet her fifth husband. Joe. Yeah, Joe. When he storms in and says, Stacy, I simply must have you back. Come with me in my mobile command unit. Now, this guy, he's like a G.I. Joe sort of figure, right? Yeah. Did you notice anything strange about the character model? Gluten intolerant Joe. Yes, sure. But did you notice anything strange about the character Gastrointestinal model? Gastrointestinal Joe. Yes, absolutely. But did you notice anything strange about the character model? Um, uh, yeah, he's uh, when he first rocks up at the door, he appears to be about nine foot tall. And then he mm. walks closer to Stacy, and he's like regular Stacy height. Yeah, there is that. There is the morphing sizes, which is certainly strange. The thing I'm talking about, though, did you look at his neck at all? No, what was up with his did neck? Did you notice there was a clear line around his neck indicating the sort of uh, pivot point you might have on an action figure that allows you to move the head back and forth? Fuck. He is a doll that has been brought to life. Is he a Pez dispenser? I don't think he's a Pez dispenser. Right. <laughs> I think he's more is, like an action is, figure. Is Pez good? Is Pez good? I, I feel like Pez is really shit. I don't know that I've ever actually eaten Pez. Fuck! I don't know that I've ever wanted to try pears. You've never had pears? I don't think so. Fuck! Okay. (laughs) I'm quite astounded by that. Why did this start with you asking me? You say pears is shit, but you're astonished that I'm not chowing down on it around the clock. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm astonished by. I don't don't expect you to subsist on an entirely (laughs) pears diet. Um, You know, some people are going paleo, you're going pezleo. That's not the case. Um, No, I just, I thought that, uh, well, Pez is shit, but I thought it was a staple (laughs) amongst children. Because children don't have taste, they're they're morons. All of them. That's true, universally and without question. Universally. Um, uh, Yeah, I once um, had uh, a couple of Pez dispensers in my pocket in a nightclub, and I was handing out... (laughs) I was what? handing out pears, and it was after about half an hour, I went, if security see me, are they going to assume I'm handing out drugs and absolutely throw the fucking book at me? Um, and then so I decided to stop handing out pears. How did you go from pears are for idiot children to one time I was handing out pears in a nightclub and realized it would look like I was dealing drugs? Because I'm an idiot child. <laughs> Uh, but I don't think he's a pest dispenser. I think he's okay. an action figure that Colossus has performed an experiment on right. to further torture his ex-wife. Oh, interesting. Mm. Could it be possible? Because, um, I was about to call her Sally, that's not right. Stacy. Stacy seems very resolute that she's not going to get back with Joe. Yes. Do you think that maybe while they were together, Colossus performed this strange occurring that turned him into an action figure and that she's like well i can't go back with you you're an action figure well no no i think he was an action figure to begin with to begin with i think he turned the action figure into a real man and loosed her upon uh loosed him sorry upon his ex-wife i see Mm. right fuck what a world Possibly he was channeling himself into this figure for a while, but then the, I don't know, the natural instincts of the plastic uh, took over. I don't know. It's hard to say with any certainty exactly what what we're seeing here. What are the natural instincts of plastic? Well, to return to the ocean. That's why I throw all my plastics in the ocean. (laughs) That is the right thing to do. Yeah. That is what they want and need. You've heard it here first. Yeah. I think we picked that up from the life education van. <laughs> also. <laughs> Just throw your plastics in the ocean. Also, would you like an orange? 
No. Good. I'll make so much mess. I've not got one. I'm too busy podcasting. I can offer you a lemon. So they they make the Lisa Lionheart, and we get a scene where they're all talk they're all talking about what they're going to call it. They sell on Lisa Lionheart, and all this time. Bart is jumping around in the background, desperate for attention while hurling insults. Yep. So Bart getting infuriated that no one is paying attention to him while the adults in the room discuss a feminist issue huh. is the greatest representation of Twitter I've ever seen. That is very good observation. Yes, that is... It's like they knew exactly what was going what to happen. What was going to happen, yeah, yeah. And then in the very next scene, we get Kemp Rockman talking about the doll on the news... And uh, it takes up all the time, all the time he has, and he makes a throwaway comment at the end about the president being arrested for murder. Again, they know what's going to happen, I think. Then in the last scene, we get all the kids storming into the toy store, and they want Malibu Stacey with a new hat, they don't want Lisa Lionheart. What's the success of Lisa Lionheart depending entirely on his performance at this one store? Apparently. Because the kids were actually very excited about the doll until they saw the new Malibu Stacy. Isn't it possible that at other toy stores where the display is different, the doll will sell fine? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. Yes. And also, she uh, Stacy says, yes, especially if that little girl... So one girl buys it. Yes, that's good, especially if that little girl pays $46,000 for that doll. Yeah. That seems like a very cheap startup. That's extraordinarily cheap. Yeah. For the manufacturing. Look, I, I don't think they paid Lisa. I don't think they paid Lisa. I think Lisa... Uh, this is the thing, you know. This is an episode with a heavy feminist message that ultimately hinges on the exploited free labor of a young girl. That's very interesting. It's a great episode, but that also happens. Yeah. Yes. Uh... Yeah, wonderful episode. It kind of fucks. Yeah. Yeah. I I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought it would. Yeah. I like The Simpsons sometimes. What? Yeah. Sorry, I've got got, um, uh, that fucking song by Mumford and Sons in my head, but I'm changing it to Little Lisa Lionheart instead of Little Lion Man. How does it go? Little Lisa Lionheart. Like every fucking Mumford and Sons song. I don't don't know what that is. But I don't want to talk about Mumford and Sons because didn't they meet with Jordan Peterson? Did they? I think so. I heard that from somewhere. I don't even know who they are, so fuck them. We'll leave them out. You must know Mumford and Sons. I don't know. I've heard of them. They're, they're, they're that 12-piece country folk band that doesn't wash. <laughs> I don't know what any music is. Uh, <laughs> it's like a constant point of contention. That's true. If you're like, oh, you, you're aware of this song. Like, no, I've never heard of that song. I don't know what that is. I've never heard horses. I don't know what any of this shit yeah, is. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I hear like, I don't know, 350 songs a year, which sounds like a lot, but it's not. There's so much music. It's a very specific number that you've landed on. Yeah. Wait, are you saying that there are six days of the year that you don't go listen to a new song? Or do you... Or is it 15 more, days. Is, is it more clumpy than... Oh, yeah, I can't count. Is it more clumpy than that? <laughs> so clumpy you could carve it. <laughs> <laughs> Reference to a dog food commercial from the 90s. <laughs> so clumpy you can carve it. You know what the great part about that, though, is that in the world of the ad, the dog food would be called clump. <laughs> That's a great name for a shit dog food. Uh, Clum, your dog will be covered in it. <laughs> what an awful thing to say. <laughs> Season 5, episode 15. 
Deep Space Nine. I mean, Deep Space Homer. Deep Space Homer. Have you ever seen the movie The Right Stuff? Um, that was about the Wright brothers and all the stuff they had. It was Marie Kondo <laughs> telling the Wright brothers to get rid of their stuff. I hope that you went with the stuff they had, not the stuff they did. <laughs> Yeah, sure, that's what it's about. Marie Kondo comes in and uh, says, Oi, get oh, rid of that plane. This biplane's gotta go. Does it's it clu- give you does it give you joy? It's cluttering up Kitty Hawk, you dumb fucks. <laughs> have you watched anything by Marie Kondo? Of course I haven't. No, me neither. What are we Marie doing then? <laughs> I don't know. I think one day she's gonna upgrade and become Marie Apartment, then possibly Marie Detached, and then maybe Marie three bedroom house. Is that a joke? I think if you stopped at three, it would have been. Yeah. <laughs> Rule of threes. Um, so, at the start of this, we get... So the... you haven't seen the right stuff. No, I haven't seen I think the this right ep- stuff. Because I think this episode is a parody of that movie, but I haven't seen that oh. either. Then why is it co- Why is it got a reference to Deep Space Nine, another space movie? I don't know. Deep Space Nine is not a space movie. Is it it's, not? What is it? Though? It's like a... What is it? Like a Star Trek series or something? Oh, fuck it, it's a Star Trek series. Yeah, yeah you're right. Okay. <laughs> That's something we need to get right. The Star Trek fans, uh, you know, they take issue with you getting things wrong. I reckon if there's one thing we can learn from Poz and the Key of Springfield, it's that I don't care about the opinions <laughs> of people on the internet. Um, there is one thing that I got in today's viewing that I had never got before. Sure. At the start of the episode, we get the um, Employee of the Month awards. Yep. And... Um, Smith. Have you ever won Employee of the Month, by the way? No, it's not a thing that either of my workplaces have done. Not mine neither. Yeah, it's a bit depressing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I always find it weird, though, when you walk into, like, a local supermarket and they'll have, like, a framed picture of, you know, the guy who works at the deli and it'll say Employee of the Month. And it's like, oh, good on him and it's cute, but it's so twee. I don't, I don't want it on the walls of the supermarkets I visit. Well, it's all part of, you know, the capitalist struggle. It's all part of convincing... The low-paid workers that their work is meaningful despite the fact that they're never going to get pay increase. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's fair. Um, but when Smithers is um, emceeing these wards, yep. he says that Monty Burns is about to come out and I want an awed hush. Awed hush. A-W-E-D. A hush which in which you experience awe. Yes. I had always heard it as odd hush. Oh. O-double-D. <laughs> a strange hush. And I was like, what a weird thing for this insufferable lackey to say, the boss is about to come out. I want you all to be silent, weirdly. Yes. Um, and d- yeah, and then today I was like, oh, and he says odd hush, not odd hush. Yeah, that's weird. That's one. This is just one of those things. Where just you, one of those things. You lock in just on one like, of those days. You lock in on like your first and se- or second viewing of the episode and then just view it that way forevermore. Exactly. Like the Raven. Nevermore. Exactly. Well, except the opposite, I guess. Oh, you mean Evermore? They had a they, they were uh, they, they were a shit pop rock band. They had sure. a song called something about light. You know how every fucking pop rock band has a song that's got light in the title? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. Anyway, whatever. So Mr. Burns comes out and he says, "A shiny new donkey forever brings me the head of Colonel Montoya." Who is Colonel Montoya? Is this a reference to the the princess? Bride Diaries? The Princess Bride Diaries? Are you mashing up the Princess Bride and Princess Diaries? I didn't know which was which. <laughs> One's like 
Bridget Jones, Princess Diary. Brian. <laughs> I think one is about Anne Hathaway being a princess, and the other is like a like a fantasy tale. Yeah, I think I'm only familiar with Princess Bride. Isn't the fantasy tale? Isn't that I am Indigo Indigo Montoya? Uh, yep, you kill my father, prepare to die. Yeah. So isn't is he a colonel? Don't believe so. Oh, alright. He's I'll, just a guy. He's just some guy. He's played by why did I start that sentence when I'm not sure what the guy's name is? Anne Hathaway. It's not Anne Hathaway, it's the guy from Homeland. Oh, Julie Andrew. <laughs> no. She's also in Princess Diaries. <laughs> is she? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, like Mary Poppins herself. Yeah, Mary Poppins. She's in Aquaman. She plays a racist Kraken. <laughs> Alright, a bottle of black rum that's got some opinions. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you keep linking everything back to rum tonight? <laughs> It's because I'm on day 10 of not drinking during January and I'm struggling. Oh, man. Did I tell you about my cap- my friend Captain Morgan? <laughs> what he did the other day? <laughs> Captain Morgan Freeman. Yeah, so he went to Barbados. <laughs> Climbed up Mount Gay. Yes. Yep, very good. Uh, you know, etc, etc. Havana, you get, the, you get the joke. Ooh, come, pretty <laughs> Bermuda, Bahama... <laughs> Cuba Libre. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I've got a note here that says, Carbon Rod, Silicon Todd, is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I guess that's the answer. That's a thing. Ah, Carbon Rod, Silicon Todd. <laughs> this is... Oh, fuck, I've gone early here. I've got to think of another... This, this is... Titanium God. <laughs> Titanium God. <laughs> ah. Fuck. I really like that the the central conceit of this episode is that space travel is really boring. Is there any sorry, is there anything in is there any part in The Simpsons to which they refer to a silicon thing? Yes. Do they? What yeah. is it? Okay, it's in the uh, the X-Files episode. You had that so quickly. Yeah, because this is what I was thinking of when they said carbon. Because Hibbert asks, is the alien carbon-based or silicon-based? Oh, uh, yes. And okay. Homer says, oh, the second one, xylophone. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Uh, that's not quite going to get us there then. I wanted uh, the, 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 the second piece of um, Pods in the Key Springfield merchandise to be... Uh, Rod's face photoshopped onto the carbon rod and then find a silicon object and put Todd's face on it. <laughs> inanimate carbon rod, inanimate silicon Todd. And then under it, is this a thing? <laughs> yeah, on the back on the back of the shirt, is this a thing? Ah, oh, that's fun. Uh, so space travel is really boring, is the, the loose concept promise. they're working with. And I, I found this very funny because... The space launch they're watching is just kind of like what every part of adulthood looks like when you're a kid, I think. Um, what, as in just like inexplicable... Just like super tedium. dry, just like two men talking about three other men. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. That is what all of adulthood is like. Yeah. It's funny, I remember being a kid and just like having moments where you go, how are you still Talking to them. You've been here for four minutes. Ah! I also feel like this is one of those things that convinced me as a child that maths was inherently boring. Was that like a thing for you? Were you convinced that maths was inherently boring as a kid? I don't think I thought it was boring because I I had a weird relationship with maths. 
I was very, 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 very not good at it. Mm. And then I became okay at it. And I enjoyed the rise of becoming okay that I was like, maybe this will be my thing. Maybe I'll be a maths guy. And then realized I was well and truly out of my (coughs) depth. Sure. Um, So, I don't know. I never found it boring. But... There's there was very little at school that I actually found truly boring. I took the opposite trajectory, I think, where I was pretty good at maths up until some point in high school where mm. all my I just like hit the exact limit of like what I could possibly learn in maths, I think. And yeah. then, but also it never even occurred to me until I was an adult really that people might actually legitimately like maths. That's interesting. Like, I really didn't even, like, cross my mind as a possibility that this was a thing people got something out of. I remember one of my friends from high school went on to study maths at university. Yeah. Um, You know what I mean. Yeah. And um, he was telling me that at one point during a lecture, when the lecturer wrote, was writing an equation on whatever device, probably a whiteboard, um, my friend, when he could see how the equation was going to resolve became so impressed by the beauty of the equation that he genuinely started crying in the lecture. Jesus. I know. Have you ever felt an experience more foreign from your experience than crying in a math... (laughs) Okay, crying in a math lesson probably is not that uncommon to most people, (laughs) but crying at the beauty of the math lesson... No, I mean, like, I've I've cried at, like, movies and, you know, TV shows and the odd video game, a comic book once, but, I, you know, that's like... Was that the comic book that we hunted for and then found in episode something or something? No, but, <laughs> you know, obviously that was a very emotional moment for not just me, but the nation. And for Alex Goldman. Yeah. But, yeah, like, uh, I guess if you took, you know, if I could take the basic principles of what I enjoy about, like, the artistic things that I enjoy and applied them to maths as a thing that somebody might enjoy sure. or find beauty in. I can yeah. kind of understand how you can be passionate about something. Sure. Even though that is obviously a very foreign idea. I have I know people who've said they've had meals so good they've made them cry. Yeah yeah, that's happened to me. Yeah? Yeah. Wow, okay. Um I also think just going back to maths for a moment, I'm so glad that we spent so such a long time learning how to calculate angles in triangles yeah. as opposed to things like here's how to do your tax. Because I don't know about you, <laughs> but every time June 30 rolls around and it's all of a sudden it's fucking triangle season and you've got to get your triangles done, I'm so glad that I have that knowledge up my sleeve. I think my accountant's probably glad that I don't know how to do my taxes. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think sit, often, sitting, there, sitting there on their triangular desk with their triangular lamp and triangular pen. <laughs> If I could go back in time, and if I could turn back time, if I could find a way, I would uh, take back all my learning that. about English, and then I'd say, if I could just learn accounting, uh, I would do that too, and I'd love it, love it, love it, like right now I do with other things. Are you still <laughs> going with the share thing? I'm trying to. Yeah, right. I, I, I'm surprised you knew that much of the song. It was one of the 350 from last year. <laughs> Fuck. It's a pretty good rating. There's a bunch of other stuff in this episode, The Simpsons. <laughs> the Married with Children parody oh. is the most perfect thing. Well, the Married with Children parody has become the 
scene of Married with Children that I remember. Me too. Despite having seen quite a bit of Married with Children. It has become the, not only the shorthand, it's become the full fucking kahuna for what I think about um, Married with Children. It is the perfect encapsulation of what that show was. Yes. The funny thing is, it it kind of also captures why the show was kind of actually funny sometimes. (laughs) Yes. I mean, they had a toilet in the living room. Yeah. What's funnier than that? What's funnier than that? (laughs) So Homer's Homer's on the phone, calling up, you know, making crank calls, and he calls NASA, who have just been talking about they need to send an average Joe Schmo into space. Yep. And he calls him up, and then he calls Clinton, and uh, he starts talking to Clinton about where to get some tang. Now, didn't we learn in the previous episode, hasn't Clinton just been indicted for murder? I don't know, because the president that they drew in the previous episode is not Simpsons Clinton. And maybe Clinton's in because there's other... Well, they didn't actually draw Clinton, did they? It was just a... They mentioned Clinton. Where? At the end of the the doll bit. Oh, no. I think think the Simpsons have drawn a Clinton before. Yeah. He plays saxophone when he walks past them. Yeah, he's in the show. But at the end of the previous episode on the news, they say the president has been indicted for murder. We don't see which president. No, but but isn't it when in in that episode when the Malibu Stacey people call in a favour, don't they call in the favour from the president and that's the person we see sitting at the phone? I don't think that was the president. Was it? Didn't that spark a conversation between you and I where I said, which president's this? And then you and I sat on the couch (laughs) trying to figure out which president it was. Do we arrive at any conclusion to that? No, we didn't. Because what I'm saying is... Because I don't think it was the president. It was just some goon. Maybe it was like a senator. No, I'm... (laughs) You're going to look it up? I just... I I thought we there was some clue in there where we thought it was the president. I think you said it looked like Reagan. Because it did look like Reagan. I'm not sure that it did. Call <laughs> in uh, favor. Spell favor the American way. Call in a uh, favor. 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 Uh, I'm just going to say some other stuff while you're looking for that. Is yeah, that that's cool? Fine. That's, that's cool. That's okay. Fine. The guy repeatedly blackjacking Homer and Barney is good. Head trauma, funny, in my opinion. Very funny. Uh, yes. Uh... Now they get the they get Barney they get Homer, uh, and suddenly they're competing to fly into space, which is kind of a weird thing that's happening in this episode. Yeah, there's suddenly there's a competition element. Okay, so here are my thoughts. Right, okay, so okay, it, we got the screenshots. It says it's time to call in a favor from Washington. We see the White House, and then that is, as far as I'm concerned, that's context clues of the Oval Office. That's I reckon where- it could be the Vice President though. <sighs> Why would they call in a favour from the vice president? Huh. As a story device, I'm not sure that works. Just seems very odd to have that and then have Clinton called out specifically in the next episode. Because he's now in the office because he's not in jail for murdering someone. Okay, so in the Simpsons universe, there's another president between H.W. and Clinton Clinton. who's in office for like less than a year. Less than a year. Kills someone, is taken to prison. Taken to prison. Interesting. Interesting. That's that's my view anyway. Okay, well, who is... Is that Norman? Fuck. <laughs> President Norman. President Norman. That has a nice... President one. Norman Montoya, maybe. Ha- <laughs> <laughs> and he's now been demoted to colonel. Yeah. He's <laughs> in come prison. Because he's... Ca- yeah, in prison. <laughs> um, interesting. Uh, there's a line reading in this episode that has stuck with me in a weird way forever, where they're yeah. doing the press conference... 
and all the pre- all the oh, all the yes. press are asking, uh, "Is this a joke?" And one of them's called Toby something mm. or another, and the NASA guy responds, "No, Toby." <laughs> it is an extraordinary line rating. Yeah, it? it's really stuck with me. Um, For some reason. Yeah. I had a note that says, why is Barney a golfman? I get they've dressed them up as normal American Joes, but like Homer dressed up as a chef, that's fine. He likes food. Barney, not a golfman. Well, you cook quite a bit and you play golf. Did you feel kind of attacked by this scene? Yes. (laughs) Good. The last thing I want to be considered is an average American. (laughs) Uh, Now, the bit where Barney... Hasn't had a drink and he starts doing backflips and singing I'm the very model of a one major general. Yep. That is still the thing that I try to sing when I'm drunk to prove that I'm not that drunk. Oh, wow. I, who cares about proving whether you're drunk or not? <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> but Wow, well, who cares, idiot? <laughs> hey, I didn't, I didn't push you over. I, uh, I'm not... To, I... I mean, I would always be drunk because I can never do that because I don't know what the words to that thing are. I do enjoy that Homer leaps wholeheartedly into a cartwheel <laughs> and then once was a man from Nantucket without checking that he has no space. The wall. <laughs> he does two cartwheels, still pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty for good. For a man of his size and age. It's more than I could do. Yeah, for I'm sure. less his size and less his age. Yeah. 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 How many episodes do we have in which Barney and I lace Homer in a competitive field? Because we've got this, we've got Mr. Plow. Is there another one? <clears throat> is there a rule of three? Did they complete the triptych? Or is this another Buzz Collar situation? This might be something we need to keep an eye out for. Because off the top of my head, I can't think of any. But there, there, there might be one. Hmm. He was In a flashback, he was going to do better than Homer at the, the college yeah. tests. That doesn't count because he didn't actually do it. Yeah, because Homer gets him drunk. Gives mm. him his first taste of alcohol. Alcohol. Interesting. There's the one, we'll like, in a few one. seasons' time, well, quite a few seasons' time, there's one where where Barney goes sober, and this upsets Homer somehow, but I don't remember the full context of it. So we'll get to that eventually. We'll get to that. The scene where they watch the Itchy and Scratchy cartoon, and then it's about Itchy and Scratchy going into space and, you know, getting up to some mischief up there, huh? those wacky, wacky characters. Did you... Did you ever see or do you remember the tweet I made using that screenshot? No. One of the one of my favorite tweets I think I've ever made. Here we go. We're going into tweet corner. Tweet corner. But tweet? Uh okay. So <laughs> that episode, the scene of like Ma uh, not Marge, uh, Bart and Lisa laughing uproariously and then Homer sitting up straight as a rod, staring at the TV, sweating, eyes wide. White knuckled holding onto the couch. Now, do you remember when David Cameron uh, fucked that pig? Or it was revealed that he had stuck his dick in a pig's mouth or something at some point? Yes, as part of a hazing ritual at some yeah. fancy college at uh, yeah. Cambridge. And you know how there was an episode of the TV show Black Mirror in which the Prime Minister was forced by a terrorist to have sex with a pig live on TV? Yes. I believe I posted that screenshot with uh, David Cameron watching the episode of Black Mirror about the pig. Very, very good. Yeah, so I was very happy with that. Did okay, did okay, got, yes. I don't know, I, I feel like it got over 100 likes, so it did fine. Yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. pretty good. It wasn't quite uh, the gang remakes, The Last Jedi levels of uh, popularity for my tweets, still by far the most popular tweet I've ever made. Yeah, that was crazy, wasn't it? Yeah, 994,000 impressions, I think, didn't quite get to a million, but you know. Oh, have you checked it recently? Maybe it's climbed up now. Ah, uh, I look at it every now and again, I'll... <sighs> 
Maybe I need to like bring it back at some point, and but I feel like the magic's gone at this point. I'm I don't not, think it's going to get there. I have no idea what my most popular tweet is. No. Is there a website that can tell me? No, I don't think so. Oh, or maybe there is. Who knows? Yeah, fair enough. We can look into that after the recording, maybe. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> the whole concept of this episode is really goofy. Like, I, I, I was thinking about this the other day. I can't remember the context of why, but I was thinking, when did The Simpsons start to get really silly? Yeah. And I thought, maybe it's that one where Homer goes into space. Mm. Yeah, and there was um, one of the things that I saw in this episode where I thought, oh, fuck, here we go, mm. is earlier on when Bart draws on the back of Homer's head and Homer starts turning around because he wants to see what's written on the back of his head and the joke goes on for a very, very long time to the yeah. point where the family start going, we can't laugh at this anymore. Yeah. And I was like, but Homer's not that fucking dumb. <laughs> he's clumsy, but he's not... Like yeah. it's it's it, it's I think the the where they start bending with the fluidity of Homer's intelligence too extreme, and you end up with the kind of Homer that we have now, which is just frustrating as fuck to watch because mm. all the jokes are just but but he wouldn't say or think or do that. Yeah, we're still a while from fully getting that Homer. Yeah, but I think this this is one of the well in the watching we've been doing this is one of the first times where I've gone. Uh, here we go. Early sign of complete numpty Homer. Well, this is definitely one. Like, I, I think this is a very good episode, but it's definitely one you watch and think, this is the point where they realise how much they could get away with. Yeah. Because <laughs> this is a wild concept for an episode. Yes. Sending Homer into space. Um, pretty dark that when Homer starts panicking on the launch pad, one of the astronauts asks, can we sedate the cargo ahead of schedule? Yeah. That's a dark line for a couple of reasons. <laughs> And I also wonder, um, when shit starts going really, really wrong, you know, the chips and the, all that stuff, surely it would be better to sedate him then to get the fucking oaf out of the way so that the two <laughs> highly trained people can just solve the friggin' problem. What an oaf. Yeah, I mean, what an, what an oof. if they have the means to sedate Homer, if they've got the bull tranquilizer or whatever it is they have up there, they should mm. shoot him there and then. then. Then and then. Yeah. 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 And then dump his body out in space. Yep. Yeah. That's all I had. Yeah. Uh, what else did I have? This episode looks really good, especially once they're going up into space, like the shot of the Earth and yeah. Homer floating around with the chips. Like That's yeah. logistically a pretty difficult thing to do in animation, I yeah, think. Yeah, the lighting on the rotating chip. Yeah. Now it wouldn't be a problem with, you know, ray tracing and all of that on the, on the fancy bloody, fancy bloody oh, digital oh, animators. these fancy bloody digital animators, oh. you know. Back in my day, we had to draw everything by hand. We worked our fingers down to the bone we did. And then we drew with the bones. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the rotating chip's quite nice. Yeah, it's lovely. And um, Homer crashes oh. into maybe the most fragile iron colony ever built. Yeah. 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 It's like it takes, and, you know, broken glass goes everywhere. It should really, I mean, that should be a real danger that there's broken glass just floating in zero gravity. Yeah, the broken glass gets drastically overlooked, I think. Yeah. I assume it was made of glass. You're not going to use, like, a hard plastic. The hard plastic's not going to shatter. It doesn't, it doesn't, his head. it doesn't make the, the, the note, it doesn't make the, it doesn't have the timbre mm. of shattering plastic. I mean, if the glass is going to shatter as well. Homer must be hitting it so hard, he's at real risk of being killed. Possibly. Maybe he does die. Maybe it's a death dream after this. That'd be curious, wouldn't mm. it? Yeah. So then we get James Taylor. 
James Taylor is there with his little guitar. With his unique brand of bittersweet folk rock. Yes. And he's playing this song that has this line. Uh, this is from the commentary that I listened to years and years ago and mysteriously remember part of. Yes. Where that song he's playing, you know, the line, uh, Sweet Dreams and Flying Machines Lie in Pieces on the Ground that yep. he thinks of and then has to change while he's singing. Mm-hmm. Apparently that line in the song, if I'm remembering this anecdote properly was about a friend of his who was in a plane crash Ooh. and was killed. And they, like, ask him, like, in the writing room, like, they ask him when he comes in, like, can you do this joke? And he's like, well, this song's awfully personal to me, but yeah, okay. Fuck. <laughs> That's brutal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, we get the footage of the ants in the ship, and we get Ken Brockman immediately capitulating to the ants, which has me thinking... Do you remember the days after the 2016 American election? Yeah. And just the wealth of sudden articles about how we just have to, like, try to get along with Trump and... Yeah. You know, maybe things won't be so bad if we just capitulate to him. And I, for one, welcome our... Well, I was going to say that... This... I, I, like, I, I try to think of, like, what's a thing I can say about Trump that isn't just making fun of the fact that he looks like shit and... You know, he's just a bad guy. Yeah. He's a bad, bad man. Yeah. Bad man. Yeah. Um, the uh, the note I have for that is that I, for one, welcome our insect overlords has become the kind of thoughtless shorthand response to every mild snark on Twitter whenever anything vaguely political happens. Yeah. And it's one of those quotes that's been so co-opted by normies that I'm just... <laughs> no, n- no, I, I no longer find the joy in it that I once found. Is that an I voted for Kodos, which has been terribly misused? <laughs> yes. Over, which is like... Yeah, we'll yeah. get into that eventually. There's all the Kodos bros. Kodos would have won. Kodos would have won, yeah. It was a big movement. Kodos 2012. Yeah, <laughs> but what about Kang's emails? You know. Uh, now, the, the that's inanimate... Not part, that's not part of Bernie bro mythology, the emails. Thing. <laughs> no, the, yeah, the it's, it's a whole thing. But no, We're whatever. making general jokes I'm about politics. playing fast and loose. <laughs> the inanimate carbon rod. I'd like to talk about the rod for a moment. Uh, years and years ago, do you You're remember not that talk about the silicon life form, Todd? I'm, I'm not going to talk about Judy at all. We're going to stay right out of it. Do you remember Sneaky Beaks? Do you remember the? Um... <laughs> we are like the dreamer who dreams and then lives inside the dream. Sneaky Beaks. That trend for a while of people making pages on facebook that would be like can this potato get more likes oh, and like robert yeah. patterson did you ever see the page that i made during that time no it was called can this inanimate carbon rod get more fans than that thing you hate oh that's good yeah that's i thought good. that was okay that was you yeah. know, a cute little thing not that's making fun of anyone thing. specific it got about 120 likes i think oh yeah and i still get Occasional updates like saying zero new likes this week. Maybe you'd like to update the details on the page. Wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> Don't think I'm going to do that anytime soon. I, gotta, I think um, the joke has run its course. Not sure if you got this, but I got a notification the other day from a Facebook pages manager saying, maybe add a mobile phone number to the pods in the Kia Springfield I page. I get that all the time. I'm yeah. like, not doing that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't want people calling me about the podcast. No, thank you. Unless we have a Dory reply all style call in show. But then we'll just use a Google number or whatever. However, well, a Google do. number, well, la-dee-da. Well, we're not going to use one of our real phone numbers. 
No, I suppose I'm not going to put my phone number 042. You know, you know my phone number. 0438. <laughs> That's for any dumb dumb fans that listen. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> Do you mean the podcast or just any fans who are dumb dumbs? <laughs> <laughs> column A, column B. The Venn diagram of fans. Of- if any of our fans are real dumb dumbs, it's a real stupid. Then they can call the, this number. The the Venn diagram of fans of the Little Dum Dum Club and dumb dumb fans is just a circle. Okay. Yeah. And I say that as a fan. You of include dumb yourself. Club. Yeah, I do. So at the end, you asked me what the reference of the end is with Homer floating around in space where he gets hit by the satellite. Yes. That is from 2001 A Space Odyssey and its sequel, which I think is called 2010, The Year We Made Contact. I've never seen the sequel. Sure. But it's a 2001 thing. It's a Stanley okay. Kubrick thing. Oh, I've Stanley heard Kubrick, who, as we know, faked the moon landing. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure, sure. Stanley Kubrick is the thing that is thrown by Stanley Koo Ignatz in Stanley Koo Crazy Cat. <laughs> yep, that's <laughs> that's good. That's uh, that's a fair comment, and that's the one we should end the podcast on. <laughs> yep. Um, so this has been Pods in the Kids Springfield, a podcast Pods. largely about the theory that Stanley Kubrick faked the moon landing in the key and Springfield. used The Shining to admit his complicity in the uh, in the faking. A theory that neither of us believe because it's obviously not true. They did land on the moon. Yeah. Uh, don't worry about it. Yeah, totally. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I forgot to update the Instagram this week. Fuck. Uh, who cares? You can email us, pods in the key of Springfield at gmail.com. Yeah. You can find us. We're around, you know. Uh, don't try to find us. We'll just be down the shops. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, Wizard Wazzle. Um, careful, they're ruffled. Uh, bye. I thought I thought my intonation was pretty good on that one. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you seem so you seem so annoyed. <laughs> no, no, no. <sighs> Thank you for passing me my notes. I'm glad that you did not look at them. Yeah, seeing you at your phone as well. Yep, I'm also so going to... You can fiddle and fuddle. I'm also going to do a quick refill of my sparkling water, but I'm going to do that on mic because yeah. gonna... it's going to be a very nice sound. Okay. Um, well, I, I might refill my water as well. well. I don't know if we should both uh, leave the mic at the same time or not, though. Yeah, everything will be fine. Who cares? It's a pre-record. Everything... It's gonna be alright! Rock and pop! Rock and pop! Sean Mullins, if you are out there, I would like to be on the podcast. Is Sean Mullins still the life of Wedge and Lion with an ice cube? Yeah, more than anything. Well, maybe not more than anything, but you know, enough to say yes. And thank you. I get that ice clink Foley. Brother of wrestling Mick Foley. Yep. Actually, what I'm going to do... Oh, fuck. Did that too far forward. I'm going to put that onto... Which mode is the one where it just goes straight forward? I think it's this one. It just goes straight forward. Where it only picks up on this side of the mic. Just, just to get the...
That sounded good. Even without the headphones, that had an effect on me. Man, that was pleasing as fuck <laughs> with the headphones on. Thank me later, listeners. <laughs> Welcome to Pods in the Key of Springfield, the ASMR podcast. Oh, we're going to do an ASMR, but... Sure. I'm good to go. I don't know that I fully understand what ASMR is, but as I understand it, you talk slowly and calmly, and sometimes you whisper a little bit. Autosensory meridian response, I believe, is what it stands for. Okay. Which is interesting, because it's an experience that I had felt for a long time as a kid and had never been able to put into words what it was. Um... And then you heard audio sense meridian response, and I went, yeah. "Oh, that! Oh, that's the meridian thing that's been going on." Yes, yeah. Someone described in my the fe- ear holes. Someone described the feeling, and I was like, "Oh, that you mean that thing that I've always had and have never had a word for." <laughs> um, and I find it really interesting that whenever anyone hears about ASMR for the first time, mm. and it's like you know, oh, it's like a. a a nice tingly feeling down the back of your neck and spine when you hear certain sounds, or for some people it's triggered by certain visual things. Uh, and it's just this really, and everyone goes, oh, okay, so it's a sexual thing. No, in the same way that sometimes you eat a burrito and go, this is a great burrito. It doesn't yeah. mean that you want to fuck the burrito. Nick, I've, I've been wanting to fuck my burrito for a while now. Is this a thing that I shouldn't be doing? You can do whatever you want. It's just that people shouldn't leap to the conclusion of this is a feeling I enjoy means, oh, that's an inherently sexual thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, be- I, I was going to say I believe you. I mean, I agree with you. <laughs> I believe I believe you. Thousands wouldn't. Um, oh, actually, I, I just, believe you can eat a burrito without needing to fuck it as well. Yeah, exactly. I'm a modern man. I don't and, need to fuck all my food. <laughs> And you can sometimes I just have food with benefits. Um, um, Those benefits being carb loading. Yes, the only benefit to food, as far as I could see. (laughs) Um, I just threw away my Bluetooth speaker because it was in the way. And then I thought, A, it wasn't really in the way. And B, what if I want to fucking pull up a song? I mean, if anything, having something impeding you from doing that is probably a good thing, right? (laughs) Point taken. (laughs) 